When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's about to get real with the MTV original reality TV star OG, John and Beth, as they chat with great guests to discuss reality TV, music, pop culture, and real world life. Pick up your phone and go to wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Getting Real with John and Beth. Turn it up. Getting Real starts now. So, John, Cyrus is trying to talk me into doing this fast. Oh, have you ever done that before? I've never done a fast before. I'm trying, you know, I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm working out every day because the older you get, I mean, you really have to exercise even more because you lose so much muscle. And now he's saying you really got to try this fast. Now you can fast from different things. Are you fasting from food or what? Past fasting from TikTok? What is it you're fasting yeah, from? Basically, you don't, you're not drinking anything except for like maybe some bone broth here and there. And so I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking about it. I mean, I'm getting depressed because, you know, I live in LA and everywhere I go, everybody is on Ozempic. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't resort to that. I'm not going to do it. So maybe I will, maybe I'll- Everybody's using the Ozempic. Yeah. Now there's not enough for the diabetics that need need it because everyone's using it as a diet. But I mean, you can't not drink anything like you're fasting from food or you, you got to have water or something. You got to have like, you know, a spinach shake or something. I don't know. Something. My husband said, if you're going to do that, we can't be around you. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be so irritable. <laughs> oh and my warm. gosh. I mean, it's going to be bad. It's going to be more so, more so. Well, I fast. I fast from lunch till dinner every day. I don't know about you, John, but I'm feeling major girl boss energy vibes today because our guest is one of the most influential female figures In the entertainment business, in the mid-90s, she landed a job working for Bunamori Productions. And in 2021, she got promoted to be the president of the number one reality TV production company in the world. Please welcome Julie Peasy. Yay. It's great to be here. It's nice to see you too. (laughs) It's great seeing you on Zoom. And thanks for being on our podcast. We've been wanting you for a long time because... You know, it's a reality TV, go figure, podcast slash, you know, just getting real about life and talking. And we've been wanting to have you on for a long time, but you've been a busy bee worker. I have been busy this year. We've been shooting a lot. So that's good news. But yes, I've been wanting to do your podcast. So I'm glad we're finally in the same time zone. <laughs> I'm not. I'm in Nashville, but we are we are on Zoom and it's not the same time zone. We've that's known true. you a long time. We feel like we've known you a long time. I know. I was thinking about it and I realized that the very first show that I ever worked on for Buna Murray, you were both on it. What was it? What was it? It's the Real World Virgil's Challenge in 1999. Wow. 
my gosh, that is so funny. I was a segment producer, so I wasn't allowed to talk to either one of you. Mm -hmm. But of course, I knew who you were because I watched your season. And I remember like, you know, I was putting together the challenges for for the two of you. But uh, but it was like, it was like the first, well, it was really the second, but it was the first big one. It was the first time that Real World would compete against Road Rules in sort of a challenge format. Wow. And now it's just the challenge. Now it's just the challenge. But, you know, All-Stars really is kind of the real world's road rules challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's all the OGs. Four seasons of the All-Stars. We need we need, we need, need to, you know, we need to find a way to get John Brennan back into the fold. I know. We have a plan for you, John. Hang in there. Hang okay. in there. Oh, my gosh. You're so all right. Well, welcome. I'm going to start fasting then. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look like Mark Long <laughs> hey, by New Year's. If you're going to fast, I think you need more than just bone broth, though, Beth. Yeah, bone broth was. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Cyrus <laughs> is going to have to, I don't know. Has Cyrus been fasting? We got to work that out. Yeah, I mean, he's on the keto diet. And I mean, he looks amazing. He, he really looks does. But awesome. I, was, I thought it was mostly that like he's just been working out like crazy. He does yeah. work out like crazy, but he also like resets himself and he'll every once in a while do like a fast. And I've never done that before because I don't want to do anything that's going to risk my health. So I'm super paranoid about it. But considering it, maybe I'll do just like a one or two day thing yeah, uh, to get rid of some sugar. I mean, I'm not a big drinker, but I do. I do love sugar. I do love my Yasso yogurt bars and all that. <laughs> stuff. That's going to be hard. Oh, good. My kids will love those. Anyway, Julie, is it you, crazy for you to see like like Beth from the second real world and all of the challenges? And then you see somebody like Cyrus that, you know, is in the best shape of his life, but like totally different character altogether, totally different crowd of people. And they're like best friends. Is it weird for you to see all these you know crossover season friendships start up like that? No, because I feel like it's such a sorority fraternity of the people that have done this show particularly the ones that did real world or road rules and then went on to the challenge. I just think it's like such a life-defining experience and they're extraordinary people. I mean, you remember how difficult it was to get on those shows. I mean, the amount of casting, like they would go through 50,000 people and choose you essentially. And like getting on that show was incredibly difficult. You had to be sort of so special. So it doesn't surprise me that you find each other Hmm. extraordinary. That's cool. I wanted to ask you, I know you started with Buna Murray in 1998. What were you doing before you hooked up with Buna Murray? I had been working mostly in news out of college and then sort of went into what was sort of the beginning of sort of the news doc, which were a lot of like TLC and um, discovery shows like, you know, movie magic, what went wrong. So they were organized shows based on different formats, but we'd use real footage and interviews. So it was still unscripted, but it wasn't anything like what Buena Murray was doing. I mean, Buena Murray was the only company really doing the work of like unscripted with real people in an entertainment format. And I had been watching Real World and Road Rules in college. So I was a huge fan of Buena Murray's work and trying to get into that company was really difficult. I mean, it was a very small company and just breaking through was hard. And when I finally got a call to come in and, and do an interview for what I think was Road Rules Latin America. And I had an interview with Mary Olson John, and then I had an interview with Clay Newbill. And I really thought I was close to getting the job. And then they decided it would probably make more sense to hire someone who could speak Spanish fluently, which I couldn't. Mm. Um, so I didn't get it. And I was so crushed. And then I got a call from Buena Murray again, just a couple months later, and Matt Kunitz and Rick D'Alavera were doing the Real World Road Rules Challenge. And I got hired wow. as a producer, and I never looked back. We love but these names. Wow, these names you're dropping are oh, awesome. The best. 
they're the best and still great friends and mentors. And I just adore all of what's so incredible is that so many of the people that I met in the very early days of the challenge are still not only my friends, but really some of the most incredible people working in our industry right now. And I'm still working with a lot of them. Like we really continue to work with each other. And I've seen so many incredible careers get born and sort of just taking the talent that they had from creating the challenge or working the challenge or whatever capacity, and then parlaying that into multiple genres. It's been really, it's been really impressive. You did something in your career that was super inspiring to me. I think it was like around 2004, you decided to walk away from Buna Murray and start your own company. I did. What was, what was the thought process? Like what made you decide to do that? I had always wanted to start my own company. I always, I mean, I, I tried it with, at the time, my business partner and best friend, Patty Ivins. We were creating shows when we were in college together and we were pitching them, but we just had no, I mean, we didn't have the experience to make them. And we always said, like, when we get the chops, we would start our own company. And, you know, no regrets. It was it was a great time. I learned so much. I felt like on so many levels, like I, I had already been show running, but I learned so much about the business side of what we do. And it's, it's a huge piece of it, you know, figuring out how to grow a company and how to manage a company and how to manage people far beyond just, you know, working on a show. Um, but it's also hard. It was a really, it was hard to basically kind of go out on our own. We were very fortunate. We had such great relationships and we were able to do a lot of incredible work. But, and I, again, like it was one of the best times creatively in my life, but yeah, it was, it was major. I think that, you know, you looked at Mary Allison John, who were this incredible partnership and they made it look easy. But, but it's definitely not, you know, starting your own company comes with a ton of risk and there's a lot of pressure in it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Julie Peasy. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Okay. And we're back with Julie Peasy. So, you know, I was telling John that you totally inspired me when you ended up leaving Buna Murray and you started your own company. At the time I was like, okay, you know, I want to produce too. 
So I got a calendar deal and started producing these calendars with the sexiest men and women of reality TV. And I wanted to make it into a show. And I was like, I got to go to Julie Peasy with this. I got to go to Julie Peasy. Oddly with this. enough, so Julie, I, I was not included in the sexiest man of reality <laughs> calendar. I don't know. Beth, I don't know. I still don't oversight. know. I just Beth, don't I remember it. when you came in and pitched us. Yeah. And because I wanted to work with you so badly. I was just like, you were no, it's such a great idea. And I love that you went off and did that on your own. And it was like something that, listen, it didn't sell. By the way, if you think about if there's a thousand shows on the market to sell. So just know that that doesn't mean anything, but it was such a great idea. And what I loved is you just created that business model and you were just like, I'm going to make this work. And you kept at it for years and years and years. Yeah. So I, I did it for a long time, but so I pitched it to VH1 and VH1 ended up buying it and making a pilot. But I was like, I want Julie Peasy to be the producer on this. And so then they went to you and, you know, they wanted to do it for, you know, because they were just doing a pilot. They wanted to do it for like a lower budget. And you were like, no, this is my budget. This is what I'm worth. This is my budget. And, and VH1 would do it. I was like, VH1, oh my gosh, I did not do that. I don't even remember that. I don't remember that. You were a baller. That. You were a oh, baller. Yes, yes, yes. Because you wanted, you wanted a certain budget. And I was like, Julie, no, no, please. I want Julie Peasy. And they were like, no, you know, she wants too much money. But, you know, you knew your value. Yeah, and you knew didn't, her worth. And I was so bummed. I was so bummed. I'm like, okay, well, it's not going to happen. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't remember that at all. I remember you pitching <laughs> to us. And I remember being like, you know, I love that you were just out there kind of making your own, your own shows. Yeah. Because so, not a lot of people go from being on an unscripted show to basically, you know, turning it into a business. And you've done that several times over. Yeah. So, yeah. The so like Robin, was, Robin was in it, Trishelle, Tanya, like all these people. And then, you know, it never made it to air even. So VH1 has this show still in the vault somewhere, this time <laughs> capsule. Anyway, so I thought that was super cool. And so you had your own company. And then to what around 2015, you decided to come back to Buna Murray. I came back into the fold. John was kind of stepping down as sort of the creative force of nature at Buna Murray. And, uh, you know, we had some conversations about me coming in and running creative and you can't say no to John Murray. <laughs> you shouldn't. No, never. <laughs> never. And I so, really wanted the opportunity. You know, my experiences at Buna Murray were so, they so shaped everything I decided to do with my career and, you know, the privilege of coming back in and, and being able to work within that house was, you know, a great opportunity that I am. I'm really grateful that I took. Well, and it's kind of like, I mean, there's a lot of reality shows out there and a lot of reality production companies now, but Buna Murray is the first, like they're the mothership. And it's almost like the other shows try to emulate what Buna Murray is doing and has done. I mean, there's so many creative people in our industry, but what I will say is that if you look at the organizing principles of a lot of the unscripted shows that exist out there, there's something that sort of has been grown or that was inspired by what Buna Murray started. Yeah. Um, I would even say to this day, the blueprint of how these shows are made was 100% created by the producers and, and obviously Mary Olson, John, and Buna Murray. Were you... With first, you like, we, truly like really the guinea pigs, like yeah. because there's only really been one cycle of the show, which was right. highly experimental at the time. Right. So anything that they learned from season one is really what they took into Real World Los Angeles, which was still a work in progress. And yeah, I mean, you were really the way you behaved and did also helped create the guidelines around the genre. Mm -hmm. Well, and I hadn't seen the real world's first season. Beth had. She was in love with Eric Nice. That's why she wanted to do the I mean, the, the whole world, world was in love with Eric Nice. I love Eric Nice now. I just world. didn't know him at the time. Oh but um, do you, and I knew you weren't there at the time, but do you think that they were like, okay, that New York experiment worked. Let's go like more diverse. Let's send Tammy and Dominic to John's house in, in Kentucky and have them pick, pick them up and bring him to Los Angeles and Winnebago. I mean, don't you think they just went, let's push it even harder this time. 
No, it's funny because I didn't even know. I don't, I hadn't remembered that from the show. And it wasn't until we did Homecoming together that we found that footage. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like this is where they probably got the idea for Road Rules. It is. That's what um, Clay Newbill said. He said, that's yeah, when we decided we're so going to do a whole season. I don't know whose idea it was, but it was brilliant and it was funny. And it was such a great way to kind of start the, start that relationship of having people in sort of these really awkward positions and then having to get to know each other. I mean, nothing makes you get to know somebody better than having to spend like eight hours on the road with them. Yeah. I mean, in a Winnebago for sure. I mean, you can live in a big, huge beach house and, and Beth, we know you can avoid roommates if you want to, you can just be in a different place in the house, but in a Winnebago, there is no hiding. And we got to the house and I just met Beth for five minutes. And she said, wait, you guys have known each other 10 days already. And we're like, yeah, I already don't like those two people. <laughs> I know it kind of might have felt like you missed out on something, Beth. John, I will say also, because when we all did Homecoming together, we watched the whole season. And again, I hadn't watched it in like 30 years, right? And I was so surprised, like how much TV you're watching and how much you were literally checked out. Like, I feel like it has always been that we take the phones away. We take, we don't have any TVs. And I think that was because of you. Well, it was, but yeah. you know, let me, let me just mind you a couple of things. Number one, there is an editing process you all go through where makes it look like you're watching TV all the time, but they really only have a, a few, you know, pieces of footage of you watching TV. But you can't put somebody in a house and say there was a whole 13 episode series of this show that you're now on that's airing at the time and you have no idea what and then not expect them to to watch it. And they're like, you got to quit watching the real world. I'm like, what do you mean on the stupid real world? Like, we don't want you watching it. I'm like, well, all my roommates have seen it, so I'm going to watch it. But also, Julie Peasy, you took an 18-year-old kid and you put him in a house with 23 and 24-year-olds that already lived in Los Angeles, already had cars and jobs and apartments, Beth that would, and Tammy would sneak off to when the going got rough. I'm no, sorry. No, no. I used to sneak off and work as an extra on the Beverly Hills 90210 set. That's what I used to do. I used to go on Beverly Hills 90210 and I would just stare at Shannon like, Jordy and Dip. Are you kidding me? No, that's what I would do. I would go and work on that show and I would just look at them and go, they have no idea that I'm on the real world right now. They have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea that you did that. And also, again, another rule is that you, we would have never, now we would, well, I mean, part of it is, as you know, like on the challenge, we take you to really far flung locations so that you cannot have any independence outside of the show. Mm -hmm. um, but in those early days, you're right. A lot of the cast members did live in the city that the show was taking place and you were truly a fish out of water. Yeah. Um, and you were so young. You were I was so young. I mean, I called Irene mom. She was seven years older than me. It was just, but I have no complaints. I'll be honest. The real world's probably the best thing that's ever happened in my life. That's why when they called me to do the homecoming, I was like, before they could finish their sentence, I'm like, yes. They're like, don't you want to hear what we're saying? I said, no, I knew one day you would call me. And this is a really great thing for me. And I'll try to talk my roommates into doing it because honestly, it shaped not only me, but it shaped really every person that watched the show. I mean, everyone was influenced by the diversity and the interaction and just the novelty of the show back then. But I mean, hasn't it changed so much? I mean, reality TV is, we found out at the homecoming is, you know, not very similar at all to our 93 experience. No, it's changed a lot. And I don't think there are many shows that have the authenticity that that real world had. You know, I think that, you know, budgets and time and there's less time. Like when you think you guys were in that house, what, four months? Uh, 20, 22 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just so much longer than any show. Can you imagine us booking you on a challenge for 22 weeks? Nobody can do it. I mean, I'd go. I mean, I'd go because I don't get that call. But Beth, 22 weeks would be extensive, right? I well, mean, there are 
people that we can only call for all stars because they just can't take the 10 weeks off that you need for the, the okay. longer the kids challenge. and yeah now you, they've been doing this so long it's, it's kids i can't leave my kids that long yeah yeah no it's really hard but but i will say that like the experiment that you were in and the amount of of documentation and the time and how hands-off the production was was sort of of its time and place. I would say that the real world always was like that. And, you know, a lot of people think that we really produce the challenge and we actually don't. I mean, yes, we're obviously producing on the the challenge side when we're doing challenge like competitions for safety and all of that. But what happens in the house, we're really hands off. Like, you know, we're not pushing storylines. We're not coaching. We're not coaching cast. Like that really is very organic, which Beth, I know you can attest to. It gets it definitely gets crazy in those challenge houses. Well, now Beth, Beth got a little piece of knowledge from production lately that got her in trouble when she shared it on the air. What's that? <laughs> oh God! John. Well, we're we're uh, actually I was part of Challenge Mania event, and John A, the two-time champion on All Stars, has actually agreed to come on to the podcast when she's ready, maybe here after the holidays, and we'll just discuss that whole saga. But there'll be there'll be a uh, look at you looking all all confused. I do have a question. When you came back to Buna Murray, the people that were there working, were they like, oh, she's just going to come right back and be president now, huh? Like, were Well, they... I didn't come back as president. I came okay. back as, a, I think I was an EVP of development. But what's so crazy is that when I came back, I would say about 50% of the people working at that company had been working there before I left. Because when you work at Buna Murray, you don't leave, you know? I think people really do love the work. So a lot of the people were old friends, which was kind of amazing for me. Yeah. You know, Beth, uh, when I come right, out. Yeah, so what's the John A thing? What did you find oh, out? Oh, my goodness. Come on. Oh, no, really? Just tell me. Well. Uh, I can dispel it or tell you whether or not it's true. Or I don't know okay. what you're talking about. Uh, I mean, I really don't want to get into this. But, I, you know, there was a lot of drama that went down on All Stars 3, right? And you watched it, Julie, right? I was there. <laughs> I know. I'm being facetious. It's what I do. Oh. Anyway, when the challenge started and I got there, well, first of all, because obviously I have people that don't like me in the house, it's never a good idea to go in in the middle of, of a challenge, right? So I had that going against me. So going into the challenge, as soon as I got there, Kellyanne told me, oh, Janae said that told me not to trust you because you were trying to get rid of me on the last All-Stars. And I was like, what? I'm like, do that Kellyanne you're my friend like I would never do that like I'm friends with you I'm friends with Kim I would never do that okay I would never do that so so you know I'm like boiling okay boiling still not saying anything right and then and then you know the next challenge comes along and you know John A's talking to me very friendly beforehand and then you know all the girls try and get my name you know get me out of the the challenge first and so I'm just like oh like ready to go nutso right and then I go into elimination with John A and the lights go out for like a half an hour and MJ comes down and is like telling her how to beat me in the challenge. And then I'm up there in the challenge and you're not supposed to know what the other person is doing on the other side. And MJ and other people are telling her exactly where I am. So I just blew up and lost my cool. And I was like, you're a cheater. You're a cheater in life, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, so I got definitely got like a lot of slack about that. And that's my fault. The way I reacted, I shouldn't have reacted. I lost my cool. I'm super competitive. Also, like, yeah, that's what makes you stand, awesome. That's what makes you awesome. Says the producer. I don't like cheaters. I want to <laughs> fucking play. I was bummed when you quit that game. But what I will say is that like, and I've said this to you on many conversations is that yeah. you, you are always you. You're always authentically yourself. You always say how you feel, and it's what makes you so great for competi competition formats. 
And, and because you're always authentic in interview, you always say your piece. I mean, you know, part of this game is there's a lot of manipulation. Yes, there are, sure. um, there are certainly like insincere alliances on the challenge. I mean, yes. you know, there's a lot of money up for grabs. So, so you almost like, you know, all these people for many, many years, and then yet you can't trust anybody. Right. I mean, that's part of what makes it so complex. Yeah. Uh, and I think that you you definitely, over the course of your career in this space, you bring out a lot in people. Like they, they love you. They hate you. They like, you know, people love to watch you. I mean, they love to watch you, but I mean, that is like, it's so visceral. Right. And that's what makes you so good in this space is that you, you, you allow people to have complex feelings, but I think you have a far greater fan base than anything else. I mean, we see it, you know, when, when the shows air, we know that people love <laughs> them, and they love watching you play your game. Yeah. I mean, look, I think uh, cool is what everyone does on the show at one point or another, because it is a pressure cooker yeah. and it's very natural. I mean, you're literally, you know, you're tethered, you know, 50 feet up in the air doing like stunts. Like there's a lot going on both physically and emotionally that make you sort of like at times just like explode. I think it looks <laughs> great. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I told you all I, that because that's why you are an iconic reality character. I trigger a lot of people, but it's not something I'm doing on purpose. Like I'm not acting. I'm not purposely trying to stir drama and cause shit. Like I'm just not doing that. I've just led by my emotions and it gets me in trouble. You know, so good awful, at it, I'm not perfect and I'm sorry. And I apologize. Okay. I think, I mean, honestly, I think that's what makes you, you. And that's why you all 30 years later still have a career in this business. <laughs> there you go. That's good stuff. That's getting real right there. Oh, you know what I want to tell you, Julie? We had Johnny Fairplay on our podcast and he wants to do the challenge. So do the challenge. I don't know that we've ever asked him to do the challenge. I think about it. He wants to be on the challenge. So I, I'm passing that. You know, I, I love connecting people. So uh, uh, well, thank you. I mean, he's also another iconic uh, reality character. But um, but I don't know that we've ever reached out to him. But it's good to know. Here's a thought. Take it with a grain of salt, but you know, Challenge Mania, Derek and Scott, they're awesome. They're Scott awesome. has such an inside knowledge of being such a fan of the show and podcaster. And I stood side by side with Scott. He'd be a great wild card contestant. Like, I think, I think he would, he would actually come in and perform very well. And I know it's been a long time since we've cast sort of people that are sort of outside the unscripted universe, even though he technically is kind of tethered through media, but almost everybody that we've cast in the last couple of years has been somebody who has actually participated either in the challenge or in another unscripted competition show. Yeah. That's why he'd be such a wild card to be like, Oh, surprisers. Like, like, and by the way, he studies the game. He might yeah. be better than anyone. And he does. He's you awesome. Know, I mean, a lot of the people that, that actually play on the challenge, a lot of the cast don't really even watch the show. <laughs> Most of them were there. So I think there's something in that, but it's, I think that you look, or they'll watch their show, but they won't necessarily watch it if it's not their season. And I often wonder when you look at somebody like Scott, who has watched probably every single episode, if he isn't better situated to come in and, and play. I would put my money on Scott oh, Yeager. I'm I telling told you. him he's got the social game. Like, dude, you've interviewed yeah. everybody. Like you have a better That's social game. game everybody. He'd you be have awesome. to kind of look at players differently. You have to kind of, in a way, study what they've done in the past, how they might behave. And whether but, or not there are different types of challenges. Can you imagine? Because you you know being on the other side of things, I mean, you know what it's like when you look at pictures of yourself, or someone captures some video of you on their their cell phone and plays it back, and you're like, oh, that's what my hair looks like today, or that's what my complexion looks like, or that's what my voice sounds like. I can't, you know, you can't stand it. 
Can you imagine having 22 episodes or eight or 10 episodes of television with your image and voice on there? I mean, you know, oh, a lot of people you don't are watch so it. brave. I mean, listen, there are people that can be in front of the camera and then there are people that would prefer to be behind the camera. And what every person has to give mentally, physically, emotionally to be on a TV show like that. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a don't lot. ever underestimate it because it's it's a lot. Um, it really takes a true story. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's also those, like the casting, like to find all of you was a massive undertaking. And there were, you know, thousands and thousands of people interviewed. And it is so hard to clear that hurdle to actually get on these shows that that they are people that every single one of the people that end up on these shows are, you know, they're extraordinary people. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Julie Peasy. And we're back with Julie Peasy, the queen supreme of Memory <laughs> Productions. Do you just, do you ever like pinch yourself? You're like, I mean, you're like one of the most powerful women <laughs> in the entertainment. You've business. done well. You've done well. In reality TV. Like, does that ever, like, I feel very lucky to get to do this every day. I mean, my job is, I mean, when you really boil down, we all get to do is like, we come up with ideas. We pitch them and when they get sold, we actually get to bring them to life. And there's nothing more satisfying than to think of a concept and then be able to watch it, you know, a year later on television. There's something really like it's really it really does sort of feel like kind of the completion of a thought. And I feel very fortunate that I get to do this job and I get to do it at Buna Murray and and 51. Like I recognize how strong those brands are. It's a lot easier for me to step in with those brands kind of holding me up than to start something from scratch. And what's your favorite part about producing a show or seeing it come to fruition? Is it actually making it or yes. is it, yes. it's, it's, no, make, it's not it's watching it. it. Okay. No, no. I love the making it so much. I just love the field work and, you know, I wish I could stay out for the whole season of every show. I usually only go out for like the first, um, first or second week, but I actually, you know, I was a showrunner and I did that for a lot of seasons of the challenge and also road rules and, other shows and there's nothing more fun and to also just be fully immersed into one show is so much fun because you are really just like creatively in there now i'm over so many shows that i can never fully feel that ownership but but you know because you guys have both sort of worked in, in creative spaces you know like what it feels like to have something come to fruition and completion especially when it's something that you thought of and yeah. that comes to mind and or like a collaboration with the people that you work with there's I mean, Peter Murray has an incredible team, not like, I mean, our development team's incredible. Our post teams are incredible. I mean, our casting, like there's not a department in Peter Murray that doesn't do this well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all what Mary, it's like the engine that Mary Allison John built. Right. So like, again, I get the benefit of that, but, but having like all these people be able to just take any idea and create something so masterful is really, really rewarding. How does that feel knowing that John and Mary Ellis created this? And then, of course, you know, invested their whole heart and soul in it. And then to pass it to you so willingly, because I mean, I mean, we had John Murray on one of our episodes and that was a great, great episode for us. We loved having him. But he even and he even bragged on you. He's like, oh, she's so wonderful. Like to have someone that created something, trust you with it and say, here's the keys. I'm I'm peacing out. I mean, that's got to feel pretty awesome. It's amazing. But also, I mean, you talk to Matt, too, like Matt Kuhn, it's like. John Murray and Mary Ellis, like they mentored us. They really taught us how to make this genre. Like they were sort of creating it as they went, but then they sort of passed that on to so many executives that are still working in our industry today. And, and they did that so willingly and freely. And 
like they really wanted to teach. And John Murray was an incredible teacher. So talk about not like, could I possibly work for a better person? Right. I mean, he's such a gentleman and such a brilliant mind. Yeah. When you get on the set of a production that's in the process, you're not there the whole time, but do you feel like, Oh, everybody just went, the boss is here. Like, I mean, you got a showrunner and you've got everybody doing their job. What is it that you do? And can you feel people, you know, step it up because you're on the scene? I don't think so. Well, I think it's different on different shows. What I will say is like, remember, I used to run the challenge and a lot of the people that still work on the challenge worked on it when I used to be the showrunner. Um, so I kind of feel very comfortable on that set. I don't feel like, I mean, the true boss of that set is always going to be your showrunner, whether it's Justin Booth or Emer Harkin or Lisa Fletcher or Ryan Smith, like they're the boss on the set. They are making all the calls. I'm only there to basically, you know, make sure that the vision that the network had for this particular cycle is working. And then especially in the first two weeks of production, that's really when your major problems might go wrong is to be there on set to help brainstorm anything that goes wrong in terms of format to make sure that it's all working and to be able to troubleshoot that. So my main focus is, you know, when I go out on set on a new show or on the challenge is just like helping the showrunner lift it off and then just kind of going through sort of those, like the things that you're trying to still workshop before it actually, you know, gets produced. Also, so, I'm not intimidating, John. Let's just be honest. You're, you're not intimidating or you are? No. What'd you say? I'm not an intimidating yeah, person. Yeah, maybe not. Well, that's good. But you are the boss yeah. and you are the yes, head of the snake. I'm, so. also their, I'm also all of their colleagues and we yeah. couldn't do it without all of the professionals that go out and set. Well, that's a great working environment. So I'm sure that's, I'm sure they're enjoying that. A lot of the fans are, are wondering, like, is there still going to be a future for the Challenge All-Stars? I mean, yes, you know this. Well, no, I don't, I don't know. People are asking because... It's been they, a while and they think we know well, stuff up to all stars three. So people are asking, like, is there is it true? Is there really an all stars four? And are they going to do an all stars five? What's what's going on with it? Oh, we're getting the scoop. No, because I can't give you the scoop because okay. this is how it works. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. No, it's just that, you know, the network really they are brilliant at marketing. They're brilliant about announcements and timelines. So I always, you know, we always defer to the network on when things will be announced. Um, but what I can say is all stars is a great franchise and it continues to work. So I think we can all be hopeful about more, but it really is up to MTV and Paramount to decide when they want to share information. So like I would be, you know, it's not- I would All Stars is so much more fun. Like, like the-, the It's fun. It like the challenge is so like, I'm, you know, they're at each other's throats. I mean, Tech and Beth like, and those that were on All Stars 1, it was just like, we're just having fun. We're just, you got, got birdie music playing. It was hilarious to watch. I'm telling it's you. It's so, so fun. fun. And I think what you're feeling is that there's a real difference between the franchises. Like the challenge is like a little more hardcore. First of all, it's a lot more hardcore. It's longer. The stakes are a little higher. Um, it's, it's just a different, it's sort of its own thing. And then All Stars is a little bit more frivolous, a little more comedic. It leans into nostalgia. We play, you know, the game with people that sometimes we haven't seen in a while because they can't do a 10-week show. And it does feel a little different. And I have actually heard that um, a lot of the former cast have more fun on All Stars. I'm also a giant fan of the franchise series. I think that the level of playing on that show beats anything else on television. Like if it you does. can put in a challenge, there's nothing you can't do. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Let's talk about the homecomings. We had three, we had New York, you had, of course, we were thrilled with, you know, being part of the Los Angeles and then you had New Orleans. I mean, th those, those were, those were crazy. First of all. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> all three of them were like, so um, amazing. They were really fun to produce. It's really fun to look back, you know, into, I mean, we ended up 
getting boxes, like hundreds of boxes of tape from MTV, like and from their vaults, and then had to bring those all back. And then we had to sort of like digitize them all into our system so that we could go through all of the footage that ever existed from these shows, which is thousands and thousands of hours, as you know. Like you said, so much gets edited down and it gets distilled. And being able to do that and look back on how the show was produced and even your journey, it was a pretty incredible experience. It was wild to be back in that same exact house. Here I am on the first floor yelling for Beth on the third floor again, Beth. And it was just like no time had passed. It was so weird. It was incredible how small it was. Like, because I watched your show and then to be able to go into that house and look around and be like, this was because it felt so much bigger on TV. It felt bigger in 93. Yeah, it definitely felt bigger to me back then. It's so weird. Same exact house. They didn't adjust it at all, hardly. I mean, I don't know. It just, but it was so weird sitting in the same place, watching those video clips of the blanket and the fight and the this and the that. And and poor Glenn, who replaced David, he said, I'm looking forward to hanging out with David. I don't know what Cheryl's problem is. And then by 48 hours later, he literally said, I'm going to throw him off the roof. I'm going to throw him off the roof. Keep that guy. (laughs) And we're like, oh, oh, really, Glenn? Oh, really? Tell us more about how you, you know, get along with David, but. So wild. That was crazy. I mean, were those, I mean, were those a success? Was that something that you guys sit back and go, wow, that was amazing. Or, or we should have done this differently or. No, I don't feel like, I don't feel like we wanted to do anything differently. Like we really wanted to do is have all of you come back and reunite. And then obviously we played some video to remind you of experiences and things that had happened to sort of generate conversations. I found them fascinating in a way to me. It felt like as much of an experiment because so many of you hadn't all been in a room together, right. like of the three casts, so few had actually been in a room together all at once, you know? Sure. I think that you have complex relationships with these people. At the end of the day, you all shared something like hardly anyone else on the planet has ever done. You right. essentially met strangers and then had your had video your life was videotaped and then it aired on television Mm -hmm. and so no matter what even if you guys fight there's something that bonds you that i think is inexplicable like you can all criticize each other and fight or whatever that is but deep down you guys have sort of relationship that very few people have yeah and people will will criticize roommates that i don't particularly you know love a thousand times over and i'll and it'll bother like a brother or sister wait wait a second don't say that about their family all the time i think it's like you guys were like a family so you're a little more honest with each other maybe a little more hurtful Mm -hmm. but you definitely have a bond that um is is unique we're we're a dysfunctional loving family exactly Exactly. we're dysfunctional but but at the but at the end of the day we love each other and you know what i love david edwards and you know i'm hoping that maybe someday someday we could squash that beef and move on because I have love for David. Like you don't feel after homecoming, you moved on. Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I apologize to him, but no, I mean, I mean, when I watched it, you know, watching everything back and then he left early, you know, again, you know, and then his daughter was like super angry with me and I never had an opportunity to talk to her. I just feel like, oh, there's still this like unfinished business, you know, this beef. Um, Like a homecoming too. Um, but you know, fans unfinished business. Homecoming yeah. too, unfinished business. It's unfinished. Uh-oh. It's unfinished business. But a lot of fans are like, "Are you guys gonna? You guys gonna get together? Are they gonna do more homecomings? Are they gonna do mashups and put people from different seasons together?" Like, I mean, I don't know. But homecomings is- pretty quickly back to back. Like, yeah. we really produce them pretty quickly. And I think there's, you know, they did well. But I think it was almost like, okay, we did a lot. So I think it's, it was just kind of a pause. But but maybe, I mean, I think there's always a world where real world comes back and homecomings come back and maybe even road rules comes back. But 
it's a lot of IP and, you know, there's less and less airtime now. So, yeah. When you were growing up before you worked in reality TV, did you watch MTV and think, oh, this is super cool. And I can't believe I, I work for a production company that makes MTV shows now? Yes. And by the way, you know, my family didn't have cable when MTV came out. Wow. So I used to go to my friend's house and just sit there like and watching. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, what would you we, watch? Um, we would, it was like Dance Party USA, I think it was. And we then of course, Kennedy World, when Gail World first came out and I watched yeah. MTV News. Um, yeah. I mean, we had Kennedy and we had, who, Beth, who else did we have that was, I mean, we had Eric Nice. We had, we had some iconic, you know, Real MTV world was people. the first like, show that I, I remember watching and I could not wait till the next week when it came back. Like it was like real world New York. I remember watching that and it was like, I, there was nothing like it. And I felt like right then I was like, I want to be in this world. I want to not on camera, of course, but I wanted to, cause at the time I really thought I wanted to do more news and documentary. And I did sort of pursue that, but I could not pass like that. This was real. And that these are real people and this was their real experience. And, you know, there was something so special about that show. And again, you guys came in right after that. Boy, did we. I want to know who your top two female challengers are. Like, I mean, they don't have to necessarily be the winners, but just who you can't stand. You can't not watch. Like you just, you know, you, you love to see them on the show. You love their personality. Maybe you don't even like them, but you just can't take your eyes off them. Uh, you know, um, ask me that when I'm retired, because I feel like I can't, <laughs> you that can't do it now. You can't They're do it. They're all her children. You. They're all her children. Oh, all children. right. It wasn't a fair question. These are, she loves them all different in different ways, right? Okay. Okay. Right? I was trying she's to get grateful it. to every one of the people that participate in the show, like deeply grateful because we would not have a show if we didn't have cast that were so committed to being on the series. Like the challenge is built off of the cast and, and I actually have worked very, very closely, like some of the cast that still participate were on my seasons of, of Road Rules where I traveled with them for three months and there was just six of them, you know, and I was there the whole time. And some of them were on my early seasons of The Challenge. I've known some of you for 30 plus years. So when you really think about it, like there's a lot of new people too, but the relationships are old. Like I've known some of these participants for decades and and care about a lot of them deeply. So it would be really hard for me to choose, but I try to make myself available to any of them. And, and, you know, we often have a lot of conversations when things happen. And again, the show would not exist without the commitment of the cast. Well, it wasn't a fair question, but I feel like the journalist on the red carpet that's got to ask the question. I know. I appreciate that. And I would love to answer that, but I don't feel like it would be fair to. No, it's cool. But what are your goals like in the industry? What do you want to do before you said, ask me when I retire, let's just say, you know, whenever that is, what, what do you want to do between now and then that you haven't yet accomplished? It's a really good question, John. I think that, I mean, I feel like my work's not done. I definitely would love to create, you know, a new franchise, something that has the potential of going on the way that the challenge has. And then I think one of the desires I've always had, and it's always hard to do, is sort of create something brand new. You know, I think that even when we have a show that feels brand new, like nothing is like it on the air it often, once it's produced, it does sort of change because you're constantly trying to make it fit what the audience are comfortable viewing. So it's really hard to get an idea that's really out of the box on the airwaves now. But but I do have a real desire to sort of break some of the rules around the genre that we've all created and come up with something. And we've had show ideas that are breaking a lot of the rules, but I think ultimately it makes everyone uncomfortable because it's breaking all the rules. But you so, make the rules, so you can break the rules. I know, you would think. We've all learned is, and I think you'll notice this with young people now, when they come on a reality show, they already know how to be OTF'd. 
they already know how to be interviewed because they've been watching it for so long. Like you all had to do it for the first time. Yeah. But now, like just in the spirit of people doing videos for Instagram, they're talking to the camera the way right. that you were 30 years ago. So there are some things that I think people associate with the genre and it's hard to break away from that. That's so funny you said OTF, on the fly interview for podcast listeners. Yeah, those little where we pull you aside and ask you in the heat of the moment for some comments. Yeah, they're doing that on TikTok every day. We had every Johnny day, Fairplay but on. It came from someplace, right? Like that yeah. was really was sort of created. Because if you watch like the news, the journalist is talking to the subject and they're looking back at the journalist. You don't have people looking right into the camera to tell right. the experience. That was really created and unscripted. Yeah, Beth, you remember we had Johnny Fairplay and he said, well, when I was doing my confessional and I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. We were the first reality show to ever have a confessional. They didn't do it really on the were. first season. And it's still wild that this now he's currently on E's, you know, villain show and he's talking about confessionals. And I'm like, Beth, we were the first reality stars to ever do a confessional. I'm not even Catholic. It's just, you know, <laughs> so funny to hear him say it's that. It's really funny. And it makes you realize that, you know, a lot of these devices have been around for a really long time and they've been used to tell stories and they work. But I do think in the future, in our future at Buena Murray, we want to find also new ways, new ways of telling stories that are unexpected and that can that can land differently on the audience so that they're not predicting what's going to happen next. Because so much with our programming and unscripted is there's sort of a prediction of like what would normally happen next. And that's why we're always looking for twists and turns and ways to be unexpected. As far as like the climate for, for reality shows, since you have so much experience in the business, do you feel like streaming services and networks are more willing to take a chance with you because you do think outside of the box, you probably have a better chance of trying something new as opposed to a greener. No, unfortunately, no. I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I think that, well, first of all, I would say that most of the streamers and, and our, the cablers and the networks are all looking for something new, but listen, Pina Murray, we, we are uh, like Pina Murray is a company that's been around for 30 plus years. So obviously we're very trusted in the industry, but I don't think, even though we have the, all of that experience behind us, I still think every time we go out there to sell a show, it's like starting, you're starting at go. You're starting at the same starting point as any other company. And we do have to work as hard as any other company to get something off. It's very equitable in that respect. What advice would you give to uh, people that are interested in going into producing? What kind of advice would you give to people? There's two things I would say is that you have to love it. Like, you truly have to love it. It's not for everybody. It is sort of a 24 hour a day job. I think that um, you have to have an appetite to do more than the job requires to get noticed. I think a lot of that has fallen off. If we look at the way we all came up, it was like, you know, you tried to work faster, smarter and harder than anyone around you so that you could get noticed and get promoted. And, you know, right now in this industry, it's hard to get people to come into the office because, you know, that work from home and a lot of people sort of like that comfort in producing is there's just nothing about it that is solitary. It really is a team sport and and it is like invigorating and exhilarating. And I will say it's like an incredible job, but you have to love it. You have to love that brick on your chest and you have to love the speed that you have to think. But I personally love it. And I think it really keeps me energized. That would be my advice is that you just have to want it. We have to want it really badly. Julie Peasy, you are, you are incredible and we love you so much. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us here on Getting Real with John and Beth. Thank you for having me. We're really grateful and congratulations on huge success. Thank you for coming on Getting Real. Thank you, John. You guys have a good day.
Love you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Until next time, keep it real. You've been listening to Getting Real with John and Beth on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Executive produced by Christian Swain and Peter Firioli. Edited by Michael DeVestia. Produced by Lindley Ehrlich. Hosted by Beth Delarchek and John Brennan. Be sure to follow us on social media on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow Beth at Beth's Real World and follow John at JohnBrennan.com. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram at Getting Real with John and Beth. Until next time, keep it real. Beth! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.